Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 14 in the ESV translation. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons and daughters of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, church family. Good to see you. Good to be together. Good morning, parents and the First Church Chapel with the babies. Today we come to the final message on the sermon series on heart detox. We started the series in January. God has given us, to the church family, uh, the theme for the year being life being poured out. Uh, And when we want to pour out our lives to bless other people and to glorify God, we want to make sure that what we give is actually good to bless people. And for us to give out what is good, we want to make sure that our heart is good. So we started off uh, the year with a sermon series on heart detox. We want to um, detoxicate, cleanse our hearts so that what comes out of our heart is good, um, glorifying to God and also helping and blessing one another and the world around us. Now, so we cover different topics um, that we struggle with in our hearts and in our lives, like anger, guilt, shame, blame. Last week about forgiveness. Uh, before it was addiction, the week when many of us were at the retreat. Um, today, as a final message on heart detox, I want to bring all those topics and ground them in the gospel. Because at the end of the day, our heart gets cleansed and renewed and detoxed, not by just working hard at it, but by God's grace. That that is at the heart of the good news, the gospel. What we could never achieve, God achieved. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot 
do a detox on our own hearts. God has to do it, and God did it. That's at the heart of the gospel message. What we cannot do, God did. We are helpless, God became our helper. We could not save ourselves, Christ came to save us. I found this cross chart to be very helpful. Uh, those of you who are at the retreat, Pastor Stephen Rowe, who came to guest speak at the retreat, uh, shared this. This comes from the Gospel Center Life by Robert Thune and Will Walker. If you look at the, the diagram, at one point in our lives, when God invades into our lives or visits our lives, and that's the conversion, we come to recognize, oh my goodness, there is this creator who created me and loves me and who wants relationship with me, and yet I'm a sinner. I've been living my life apart from God, but God came. God initiated this relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. And so we confess our sins, and we believe that Jesus, you are God's son, who was sent by the Father from heaven, came down from heaven to earth, having lived the perfect life, you died the death that I need to die for my sins. You were sinless, but you became sin on my behalf, in my stead, and you died on the cross, paying for all my sins penalty. But you rose from the dead, and you are sent to the heaven. You sent your Holy Spirit, and you have given us new hearts when we put our trust in you, and we become a new creation. And Jesus becomes my Lord, my Savior, my Shepherd, my King. That's conversion. But as we grow in our faith, in our knowledge of God, who he is, and especially for those of us who read through the book of Job, we come to recognize, oh my goodness, God's holiness is beyond our comprehension. It's off the chart holiness. When we encounter God, we cannot help but to fall prostrate. And we cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. You are there's no one like you, second to none. That's what it means to be holy. There's, there's no category that God shares with his creation. He's a creator, and we come to recognize, oh my goodness, there's no way. There's no way I can stand before God in my brokenness, in my sin. But Jesus came to fill the gap. That's the cross, right? And so we are abled enabled to approach God, yes, with brokenness and humility, but also with boldness and confidence through the mediator, Jesus Christ. As we sang, as we prayed together, it's through Christ we are able to approach the Holy Throne of God with confidence and boldness. But as we continue to grow in our knowledge of God and in our knowledge of our own sinfulness and brokenness, the gap, not yet, please, the gap widens, yeah. gap widens, unless our knowledge 
and experience and application of the gospel of Christ also grows and increases, what happens is there, there's, a, there's a gap between God's holiness and our sinfulness, and we may try to fill that gap apart from the gospel. On the one hand, at the top, we can try to be more religious and do good deeds, which is not a bad thing, read Bible every day, which is not a bad thing, it's a good thing, and pray, help people, and try to reach that holiness of God through our effort to earn his acceptance. If we perform well, then we end up become very prideful, like Pharisees. Oh, unlike the sinner over there, I'm, I'm pretty good. Or, if you don't perform well, you actually fall into this trap of guilt and shame and fear and insecurity, always questioning, am I loved? And you end up falling into this trap of despair. And, and when we come to church, we pretend that, that we're okay when internally we're not okay. Um, that's why we want to make sure that even as we have dealt with guilt, fear, insecurity, shame, anger, unforgiveness, uh, we must apply the gospel to our heart issues continually. So the next diagram shows how our understanding and application of the gospel must increase. Our knowledge of who Christ is and what he has done must increase. For those of you who are new or what is this guy up there talking about, I would love to connect with you and share what this diagram actually means. It is there to give us freedom that God has gifted us through his son, Jesus Christ. So we must grow in our awareness and knowledge of the gospel. And as a as we, and that's, that's the foundation of heart detox or heart cleansing, right? God cleanses us, and God continues to cleanse us, or in a, a fancy theological language, sanctify us, cleanse us, sanctify us, same, same, same meaning. Now, that's the foundation. Now, this, this morning, um, I only have about 15, 20 minutes, we'll see how it goes. Let me provide you with... Um, two rails on which your life can run on the foundation of the gospel. As we continue to grow in our knowledge of God and his good news in Jesus Christ, and as we continue to pursue holiness and heart that is pure, that is healthy, that is good, and those two rails uh, that you and I, we want to run our life with or upon our gospel identity and gospel discipleship. Gospel identity, gospel discipleship. Hopefully, this message will help us not just to do hot detox, which tends to be like five days or five weeks, and then 
Many people who've done detox kind of go back to the old lifestyle. No. This message, I want to set us up for a kind of lifestyle that is healthy, that will keep our heart healthy and pure and blameless continually day in and day out. So first, gospel identity. Heart detox or clean heart is rooted in the gospel identity. This is what I mean by gospel identity. Gospel identity says that those who are in Christ are saints. Can you look at person next to you, in front of you, and say, ooh, saint. Saint. Saint Terry. Saint John. Saint Fran. Saint Sally. I can't neglect. Saint Andy. I'm not neglecting you guys. Saints here. When we hear word saint, like Saint Mother Teresa, saint. Or from those of you who are from the Catholic background, like saints are those who are like this connected from the world. But you know what? Paul in this letter and all throughout his letters calls Christians saints. Saints meaning holy ones. It has the same root as holy God. Saints because, again, it comes back to the gospel, When Christ died for you on that cross, he wiped out every sin. Your sins in the past, your sins in the present, your sins in the future. That's why when the gospel comes alive in our hearts, when the gospel penny drops, we pray with stunning amazement. How could you have died on that cross when you knew that I will still struggle in sin. It just blows our mind. Religion says you do this good and you get rewarded. You do bad, you get punished. Gospel just blows up that category. God gives us undeserved merit or gift. That's why it's called the gospel, the good news. Our sins are wiped out clean. So when God sees you who are in Christ, he calls you not just my beloved son, my beloved daughter, you are holy. A few years ago, our life group leaders went through a training uh, through a book called Saints, Sufferers, Sinners. The book gives us Christian identity in three different categories or words. Saints first, sufferers, because we get sinned against, that we suffer in this broken world, and also we are still struggling with sin. But the primary category identity is saint in Christ. So if you look at verse 3 in today's passage that we was just being read, it says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, plural. It's a group of people, and the question is, why? 
as is proper among saints. Because you are holy people, because you're set apart for God who is holy, because you're holy and blameless in your primary identity, sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or covetousness, they're just not congruent with your primary identity. Can you imagine a saint clicking and watching pornography? A saint in an adulterous relationship? A saint continually indulging himself or herself in bitterness, unforgiveness, blame, Fundamentally, Paul is saying here, these things will destroy you. It's not good for you. Not only that, it's just not compatible with your identity. Now, if you are a student, what's congruent with your identity to being a student is to study. So if you don't study, but your identity is a student, you will not have peace. You cannot really um, have peace in your heart because your lifestyle of de-studying or not studying and your identity as a student, they're not congruent. When you are studying hard as a student, you're at peace. If you're married, marriage is an entering into an exclusive covenantal relationship. Well, let's say you're, you have a spouse, but you're having an adulterous relationship with someone. It may give you a momentary joy or happiness or satisfaction, but deep inside, you're not going to have peace in your heart because your identity as a married person and your lifestyle and choices are not congruent. So we don't pursue holiness to become a saint. We pursue holiness we pursue clean heart because we are already clean before the eyes of God. Now, th that's a profound truth that needs to be worked out for the rest of our lives. Do you, do you see yourself, if you are followers of Jesus, if you are in Christ, if you believe in Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you must primarily see yourselves as a saint. Do you see yourself as a saint? I'm a saint. You should tell yourself, remind yourself every day, I'm a child of God. Look at Ephesians 5, 1, 2. It says, be imitators of God. Why? Because we are beloved children. Monkey see, monkey do. 
Our Father is holy, and so I, as his child, will be holy. Walk in love. Why? As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Every imperative, do this, be imitator, walk in love, walk in light, is grounded in this gospel identity because you're God's beloved son, you're God's beloved daughter, because you're children of light, because you're children of love. The question is, do you see yourself? Do we as a church family see ourselves more as a saint or more as a sinner? Before we come to Christ, we are primarily sinners. We sin because we are sinners. We cannot help ourselves but to sin. But after we come to Christ, and in Christ we are a new creation, yes, we may struggle with sin or against sin, but our fundamental identity changes from being a sinner to a saint. That's why Michael Emlen in his book, Saint Suffer Sinner, says this, for believers, sin is an act of betrayal. Sin is an act of betrayal against their new identity. Whereas for unbelievers, sin is an act of in keeping with their current identity. That's why when we sin as followers of Jesus, because Holy Spirit is in us, not just our conscience, our conscience is cleansed by Christ's sacrificial blood, yes, because Holy Spirit is in us, when we continue in a lifestyle that is not pleasing to God or is against God, there's a sense of just feeling uncomfortable. And it's normal. Because again, our life, the way we think, the way we say, the way we act is incongruent with our identity. So we must remind ourselves every day, you know what? I'm cleansing my heart, I'm pursuing holiness because that's congruent, compatible with my identity in Christ as a saint. That's the gospel identity. One rail that we need to have to run a gospelized life. And some of you may be thinking, yes, pastor, I know in my head that I am a saint, but my experience tells me otherwise. Or you may be thinking about a family member or friends or church member, that, that person that, that I know. Um, and you look, look around, Christians, they, they look far from being a saint. So you question, you doubt. When you look at Galatians 2, um, there is a scene that Paul depicts when Paul the Apostle calls out Peter the Apostle. Because, it says in Galatians 4, uh, 2, 14, Peter, Peter's life and life choice, conduct, was not in step with the truth of the gospel. You're talking about Peter who's, who lived with Jesus, who watched Jesus, who got discipled by Jesus, who got commissioned by Jesus, who was filled with the Spirit, 
If there was a saint back in the days, it must have been Saint Peter. But Saint Peter was not living in step with the truth of the gospel. So it is possible. There's a gap between our identity as a saint and our conduct as a saint. No wonder Paul had to write, we're given this Bible, the New Testament letters are written to Christians who are saints, but whose lives are not in line with their identity, so trying to teach, you have to narrow the gap. Come, this is what God has done, this is who you are in Christ, live in line with your identity. That's where the second point and my final point, gospel discipleship comes in. The gap between our identity and our experience is to be narrowed through gospel discipleship. Again, gospel is a good news that says your sins are forgiven because of what God has done through Jesus Christ. So repent and believe him. But, and that's, that's a lot of evangelical gospel preaching. Repent and believe, and your sins will be forgiven. But that's not all. That's not a complete gospel, because the gospel includes the announcement that says, now that you have repented and believed in Jesus, you have been set free. You have been liberated from old way of life. The good news includes you don't have to live with your old lifestyle or with your old self that is marked by sin, shame, guilt, blame, bitterness, anger. As John prayed on our behalf this morning, we have been gifted with repentance and newness of life that enables us through the power of the Spirit to become more and more and more and more like Jesus. It is a slow process. Recently I asked my family, especially my kids, um, do you think I have changed past few years? I, I think I, I was much angrier five years ago than today, or three years ago than today. Um, I was hoping to hear a definitive answer. Of course, you've changed. Um, but it wasn't that exciting, definitive answer. It's a slow change, but we change. We ought to change as part of gospel discipleship. That is, gospel says, God accepts you as you are, but it says also, but God will not leave you as you were. God will change you. That's part of the gospel. God is committed to make sure that our identity and our conduct come together in unity and integrity. Gospel not only sets us free from condemnation and affirms God's love for us, not only frees us 
But the freedom that God gives is not a license to sin and do whatever we want. It's actually freedom to not sin. But freedom to pursue holiness, to love God, to love people. That's the full gospel. So Ephesians, again, 5, 3 to 6, Paul says this, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, impure, who is covetous, that is an adulterer, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Meaning, now that you are a saint, keep in step with your identity as a saint. That, that's basically what Paul is saying. Narrow the gap through gospel discipleship. And we are to do that daily. This is what Jesus says in Luke 9. Jesus said to all his disciples, if anyone would come after me, basically, if, 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 if anyone were to come under my lordship, if anyone were to be a Christian, if anyone were to receive this gift of new identity as a saint, let him or her deny himself or herself and take up his cross, take up her cross daily and follow me daily. Paul puts it in Ephesians 4 this way. Put off your old self and put on the new self. Put off, put on, put off, put on every day. It's a constant battle. I mean, this morning's Bible reading from Galatians 5 talks about there's this fleshly desire that war against Holy Spirit. And this warfare is every day. Every day. It's a daily battle. It's part of narrowing the gap. That's part of the gospel discipleship. God is committed to make sure that our heart is pure. And we are to keep in step with the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And so gospel discipleship requires us asks us to be disciplined. The word discipline um, is not too popular. Freedom, definitely, but it is through discipline that we experience freedom. Discipline is not about legalism. Legalism is trying to earn God's favor, God's approval. Discipline is for those who have already been approved by God, who have the identity as saints, through discipline to live out the identity as saints. Paul says, I worked harder than any person, but it was not me, but it was grace of God working in me to do what God desires. Grace is not against effort, it's against earning. Grace actually empowers a life of obedience to do what is good. Um... Let me just share one thing here before we land. 
One of the things Paul talks about when it comes to discipline, spiritual discipline in the book of Ephesians, the chapter we just read, that counters sexual immorality, impurity, and any um, covetousness is actually thanksgiving. It's interesting how he counters all these um, common temptation that we all face in this hypersexualized world, counter that with thanksgiving, remembering the generosity and grace, graciousness of God, and give God thanks every day. So putting off is sexual immorality, impurity, and covetousness. Putting on daily is giving thanks to our God. It's ordinary means of grace, we call it. Like thanksgiving, ordinary means of grace. Like coming to church on Sunday, week in and week out. Reading our Bible regularly. Being in fellowship with one another regularly. Being encouraged and challenged and sharpened by one another. Through which, that's the gospel discipleship. The identity and our lifestyle the gap gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And that's why gospel discipleship is never to be done alone. It's to be done together as a church family. Many of us have heard churches like hospital for sinners, for the sick and the broken, and that's so true. I think a better analogy to describe church is not just a hospital but a rehab center. We are being healed, yes, but we are also being trained so that we are strengthened to live our lives in its fullness. And in the process, we are helping each other. That's why I was talking to um, a brother recently and he's been part of our church over a decade, longer than I have been. And we're talking about how he went through changes in his life. And it wasn't a punctiliar, eventful moment like a retreat. Retreat is great, or revival rally. Those are great, but it's over the past many years, just coming to church every Sunday, being part of a life group, taking discipleship classes, struggling through life's challenges, struggles together with other people. And you look back and somehow, spirit through all those ordinary means have worked in the brother's heart to make slow, sure changes. So my encouragement to all of us is remember your identity as saint and let us pursue together gospel discipleship through which we'll be able to continue to grow in our heart's purity and we, we don't just do heart detox for three months in sermon series. No, church is a place where we continue to grow in the, the good, healthy heart and cultivating good habits that will enable us to live a life that really, really blesses one another and those around us. So let's pray.
So I talked about three things. One, the gospel foundation upon which the two rails are laid out, the gospel identity and gospel discipleship. And my encouragement to you is, number one, remind yourself, if you're in Christ, you're a saint. You're God's beloved son, God's beloved daughter. And for those of you who We're not sure who you are before God or whether you are in Christ or not yet in Christ. My encouragement to you this morning is to open your heart. If anything that I share this morning makes sense, when, and when it comes to God's holiness and your sinfulness and how Christ fill that gap, I encourage you to open your heart and pray a short prayer. God, I want to know you. And I want to trust what Christ has done for me today. I, I come to recognize my life, I can't, I can't manage, I cannot do it on my own strength. I need help. And praise God and thank God. God says, I'm here, not just to be a helper, but to be your Lord, who will set you free, who will bless you, enable you, walk with you so that you may have life and life in its fullness. And those of you who, when it comes to discipleship, if you have been undisciplined, maybe God is inviting you to, to delight in his presence daily. And that's, that's discipleship, to commune with him. Maybe you need to start picking up your Bible and praying, join morning prayer, or come to the silent retreat. Not in a legalistic way, but as a means of grace. That's how we experience God, how we are transformed. So before we have a time of communion, let me just invite you to respond in prayer, whether it's repentance or thanksgiving or commitment. Father, we thank you and praise you for who you are and what you have done for us. Not only are you our creator, but you're also our redeemer. You're our father. You call us my beloved child. You call us saint because of what Christ has done. So we thank you. And so as we come to this table, we come with heart of gratitude. We ask that Holy Spirit, you will take these elements that we are about to take to nourish us, to equip us, to satisfy us with your presence, with your strength and wisdom. Father, we thank you for the blood that was shed and the body of Christ that was broken for us. And we thank you also 
for this communion of the saints. Yes, church that is not perfected yet. We are broken people, but we thank you that your blood covers us, that your spirit strengthens us and empowers us, that Jesus, as our faithful discipler, continues to instruct us and guard us and guide us and teach us and sanctify us, correct us, encourages us. God, as we are sent out into the world that is broken, just as we receive the broken body of Jesus Christ, may our lives be joyfully and willingly be broken to bless people of this world who need the good news and the good work of Jesus Christ. May we be church that honors you and honor one another and bless the nations as we have been blessed by you. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of God's people who will run this race of faith on the rail of gospel identity and gospel discipleship now and forevermore. Amen.